This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Your Radio Doctor and their guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPHT or Odyssey. Your Radio Doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, products, physicians, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on Your Radio Doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's program has been pre-recorded. Millions of Americans are losing their medical assistance or Medicaid coverage. If this affects you, Independence Blue Cross can help. You may be eligible to enroll in a health plan for as little as $0 a month. With Independence Blue Cross, you get the largest provider network in the area, including most Keystone First doctors and hospitals. We also offer free 24-7 telemedicine, coverage for hospital stays and prescriptions. See if you qualify for $0 health insurance and enroll today. Call Independence Blue Cross at 1-844-464-2583 or visit ibx.com slash stay covered. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. It's time for the Delaware Valley's first radio doctor. On call every Saturday afternoon at 5. This is your radio doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. Listen, seven months or ten months is an absolutely exceptional, exceptionally short time frame to produce this vaccine. Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Good afternoon and welcome to your radio doctor. I'm your host, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Summer's here, the sun is shining. So before you expose your skin to those UV rays, let's talk about the best ways to protect it. Today we'll review the most common reasons why you visit the dermatologist, how to maximize the health of your skin, and how to age gracefully. Sign me up for that. Joining us is our very special guest, Dr. Doris Day, Clinical Associate Professor of Dermatology at the Ronald O. Perlman Department of Dermatology at New York University's Grossman School of Medicine. She's a noted medical journalist who can be heard weekly on the Dermatology Show, which is part of Dr. Radio on Sirius XM Radio. And you can see her regularly on several popular TV shows, including The Today Show, Good Morning America, Live with Kelly and Ryan, and more. And she's been distinguished as Newsweek's number three top cosmetic dermatologist in the country and included in the top 50 of all medical dermatologists in the country. So many more distinctions, but it would take a whole show just to share that. Welcome, Doris. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be on with you. So what are the most common reasons why a patient would seek your advice? The most common is typically for signs of aging that are due to excess UV exposure. What I find really interesting from my research is that only about 10% of how your skin ages is genetic. This means that most of the signs of aging that we see are due to lifestyle factors like excess sun exposure, poor diet, stressors, lack of sleep, all what we put on our skin, how we treat our skin in general, how we even touch our skin. All of that affects how our skin ages. And the great thing is, is that it doesn't matter how young or how old you are, what you do from this day forward can have an impact on reversing some of those changes and helping your skin age more beautifully. You know, the big mission of our show and your show is to give people hope. That was such a beautiful thing that you just said, because we do, I, I am the queen of the rotisserie. When I was in college, I'd go to the beach and lie 
<laughs> do the front for four hours, rotate and do the back because <clears throat> I must have some Mediterranean blood, but I get chocolate. So I was just to think, oh, people who burn are so wimpy and I, and I'm paying the price now, but, um, you mentioned two other things that are very interesting. You talk about sleep having an effect on your skin and pollution. We just did a show on constipation before that, the microbiome, and we could get into that a little bit. But how do you think that pollution and sleep affect your skin's aging? Well, sleep is critical for everything. We know that if you deprive an animal of sleep, the experiments have been done in mice, they all die of infection. So, uh, Sleep is when you repair, when your body rejuvenates itself. Sleep is a very active time. You think you're resting, but your body is busy doing work. And we also know that when you do things like intermittent fasting, when you take away the need for your body to constantly be on alert, digesting, mobilizing, reacting to free radicals in the environment, it can then clean house and do repair things that it doesn't have time or the bandwidth to do during the day because it's too busy trying to to put out fires from all the things that we're exposed to in the day. And so sleep, you just cannot be without. I always say there's no pill, cream, treatment, laser. There's nothing Hmm. I have that will replace sleep. Sleep is critical. And as we get older, we need hormones to help us sleep better. So a lot of women who are postmenopausal who can't sleep, many times they need a little progesterone. So I'm a big, big proponent of hormone replacement therapy. I call it hormone correction. And I find that the same women who will be on the hormonal contraceptive for decades are now too afraid to be on hormonal replacement, which is a much lower amount of hormone than hormonal uh, contraceptives. So it's not that it's for everybody, but the conversation is for everybody. And too many women who would benefit from it for skin health and skin aging and sleep, besides lowering dementia, heart disease, osteoporosis, are too afraid because of bad data to do hormone replacement. So it's something I talk about a lot, even though I don't prescribe it. And then in, in terms of the second point, which was pollution, pollution is highly toxic to the skin. And when you have makeup and even moisturizer, or if you have oily skin, that's going to hold pollution to the skin. It won't, it may attract it a little bit, but it'll also hold it there. And if you don't wash your skin well, when you get home or in the evening before bed, then that pollution becomes even more toxic because it reacts with the makeup and it can increase skin cancer, increase mm-hmm. acne-like breakouts, dry out your skin, cause, uh, blotchiness, discoloration, a whole bunch of problems. So pollution is really toxic for the skin and we're exposed to it all the time. We just were more acutely aware of it because we had in New York, at least the worst weather in the the worst air quality in the world for a day. And we felt it here. We could see it, but your skin is experiencing it. So it's something to pay attention to. And I think people need to remember that the largest organ in the body on the body is your skin. So it's, it's a, a big um, absorption site for all the things you mentioned. And it's also the most common cancer. We're going to talk a little bit about how to prevent skin cancer because seeing the dermatologist is more than just checkups for acne and even checkups for skin cancer. It's all these other issues that you describe, the proper ways to wash your face, how often, what to use. I'd like to revisit the microbiome, because you've written a book on that, yes? Yes, I just wrote a book on the skin microbiome with my colleague who's a PhD, Dr. Thomas Hitchcock. He's a PhD in genetics. And 
I've been fascinated with the microorganisms that live in the skin. Actually, I've been really fascinated with it since I was a medical student or a resident in, in internal medicine. And I was working in a research lab and I was pregnant and I washed my hands so much because I was working with radioactive material. And I was, you know, even though it didn't go beyond the skin, I was so afraid of hurting my, my unborn child that I washed my hands all the time, even though I wore gloves. Same. And essentially what yes. I learned was I was washing away my skin biome, mm-hmm. washing away my skin's innate natural immunity, and that overwashing and overcleaning is even more problematic than being dirty. So I've kind of had a fascination with the idea that we live with microbes and germs and they we can have a symbiotic relationship with them. So they they actually have value, but we have to curate them and treat them carefully as opposed to annihilating them and thinking that we need to be sterile because we don't live in a sterile environment. We live in an environment that is uh, constantly, uh, I mean, you're breathing fungi, you're breathing bacteria and viruses in every breath you take, but your body and your skin are designed to handle that. And you have to have faith in them and their ability to take care of you and to protect you. So that's something that's that's really important that people misunderstand. Mm-hmm. And I think people should picture, you know, when we hear about microbiome, a lot of our guests will talk about the microbiome in our GI tract, but it's also in our lungs and the GYN uh, organs, all those areas. But if you picture pig pen from um, peanuts, the little boy with a little cloud around him, that's kind of what you're describing, yes? Yeah. It's an invisible cloud, but yes, it's there all the time. And the sooner we learn to accept that and understand that even our mitochondria, my favorite organelle, they're the they're the energy producers of every cell, they're, they still have some of their own DNA. They were once not us. They were once an invader that we, that as we evolved and became humans and able to survive as a species, we accepted this little organelle that is now what we're trying to preserve and protect with so many of the substances we take, with supplements, with um, with exercise. A lot of that is to protect the mitochondria. So if you understand that you're more not you than you are you, that we're more gen- genetics of foreign invaders and that some of them can do some good for us, some of them do no harm, and that those ones that protect actually can fight with the ones that want to harm us. So over cleansing, over protecting, over sterilizing actually leaves you more vulnerable in many ways. I'm not saying don't wash your hands or don't take a bath, but I'm saying that overdoing it is bad is as bad as uh, as underdoing it. Sure, and that's why they say let your children go out and play in the dirt <laughs> and <laughs> ride their bikes in the mud and all that sort of thing. Because with play dates and and more inside and that sort of thing and and more computer time, that's a theory out there as well. So, I guess in the big picture, how do you best protect your microbiome? Is and we've just come off the hand washing multiple times a day with COVID exposure because we were we were really incentivized by that fear of the unknown. Is there uh, a, a good advice on how often to wash your face or not, how often to wash your hair or not, those sorts of things and your hands? There isn't a single answer that applies to everybody, but if you think about how active you are, the environment you live in, what you're exposed to on a day-to-day basis, that will give you some clues. So if you work out at the gym, you don't have to use soap and water every time, you can rinse off. 
and and save that cleansing for right after working out. But if you shower at another time of day, just get in and out and feel good. Obviously, underarms, genitals, that needs a soap and water cleanse. So that area should be cleaned more often because it's hair bearing and it's uh, and it's occluded and you know, and, and there's obvious reasons. But for most of your skin, you don't need to cleanse as rigorously every day. You certainly don't need soap and water twice a day to your face. Um, but you do want to get all makeup off. So in the morning, you can just rinse with water. And at night, you can use a cleanser that's going to gently remove the uh, pollution and makeup and whatever was attracted to your skin for the day. And then immediately after, after washing, after the shower, you want to, while your skin is still damp, apply a moisturizer because you want to add water into your skin, hold the water in your skin, lock it in if you can. So that is really important. And I, I would say that other things that you could think about is using ingredients that are supportive, things like antioxidants, vitamin C, peptides, retinol, all of those in, are helpful for the skin. But if you're layering five products, that's five different preservatives. And depending on what the preservative is and the concentration of that preservative, you're killing the biome, you're killing the micro mm. skin. So preservatives are sometimes necessary. But if you can look for some products that are either biome biome friendly, like we have uh, in the book, we talk about ingredients that are biome friendly, like salicylic is biome, salicylic acid is biome friendly, zinc oxide. So if you have a sunscreen, like I have a sunscreen that's mineral based, that's preservative free, that's biome friendly. So I, the idea is to maybe use a product that has more than one thing. So it only has one preservative, you're not layering preservatives. Um, and then the second is to think about, do I really need this product? And the third is to try to figure out if that product is biome friendly. Now, a lot of products that can't contain what they call prebiotics or probiotics or postbiotics, mm -hmm. they're not necessarily skin pre-pro or postbiotics. They're maybe gut uh, probiotics, which may have some right. benefit, but they're not skin probiotics. So I, I like products that are designed for where I'm placing them. And there are some products that actually have true skin probiotics. Probiotics are the true microbes. And we're learning that as much as C. acnes cause acne or have a, a role in acne, it really depends on the strain of it. And there are some strains of C. acnes that actually help defend against C. acnes. Like there's one strain called C. acnes defendants. And we talk about that in the book. So we're learning that there are different strains of microbes. And if you look at somebody with eczema, we do a culture and we see Staph aureus overgrowth. But we, what mm. we don't do is we don't compare that to a normal microbe microbiome. And if you look at what's in a normal microbiome, what you see is that in the one that has the eczema, it's not that it's overgrowing Staph aureus, it's that it's missing C. acnes. And C. acnes can keep Staph aureus at bay. So if you reconnect it, instead of using an antibiotic, if you rebalance the biome, that Staph aureus would get better without an antibiotic. So there are ways to rebalance. So a couple important points for our listeners to hear again. C. acne is C. period acne. It's a it's a bacterium. Yes. If you want to share the full name of that. It's is cuta, it a, cuta bacteria acnes. Cuta. Okay. Um, and so the, the general principle is uh, Mother Nature gives us normal good cooties that fight off the bad cooties. And we don't want to disrupt that protective environment. And I think people fall into, we talk about this all the time on the shows, I'm sure 
you do, that when you can buy something over the counter and it has nature or natural attached to it, you think, oh, vitamin C, how could that be bad? Retin-A, which is a form of vitamin A, we think it's all good, but you know, uh, nothing to excess is, is the message. And it's good to hear too, that twice a day washing your face, rinse without soap, maybe in the morning, but at bedtime, you want to use the soap to get rid of the, or the excess oil, the makeup and all those ingredients, would you say? Yes, absolutely. So, so, so important. And, and still look for products that are biome friendly with that. Again, you want to minimize mm-hmm. preservatives, be gentle, don't over exfoliate, don't over rub your skin, just be super gentle. And in the morning too, when you don't want to dry your face, you want to pat it dry to leave a little more water on your skin. And then the moisturizer traps that moisture and helps your skin. Yes. And then at bedtime, if you do use a moisturizer, not that I'm a dermatologist, but I, I do, when we get into conversations, try to use a facial product that doesn't have SPF because you're wasting yes. that no, chemical no exposure, point. right? Yes, exactly. There's no mm-hmm. reason to use an SPF at night. There, it just doesn't, yeah, we don't want to use anything we don't need at a time we don't need it. So your daytime moisturizer can have SPF, but in the summer that you still need a, a separate SPF because it would count as an SPF if you used enough of it, but nobody does. It's a moisturizer. You're using a few drops. So if if you, anything that has an SPF label is an SPF, but if you're using it as a moisturizer, you're not using the amount that they used to test it to get that SPF labeling. So then you need another product that is a true SPF. Um, and not meant to be a moisturizer. So I would layer it. I use the SPF moisturizer first and then the SPF on top. Wow. Such an important point. I think a lot of people, myself included, if I put my moisturizer on in the morning and has SPF, so I still have to layer another SPF product on top of it. Good yes. to know. This is yes. just awesome. I think Doc- of it is like the Lululemon leggings. When you, If you overstretch them, you could see through it. Yes. If you over, if you put on too little sunscreen, you're really not getting the actual protection. Mm-hmm. And you go out thinking that you're good, and and it's just like gloves are porous, and that's why as as a GI doc, I always wear at least two pairs. <laughs> and if you don't reapply it, you didn't apply it. It either wears off or inactivates within a few hours. So if you put it on at 8 a.m. and you don't reapply it at 11 or 12, then you have total exposure, no protection, right in the middle of the day when the UV rays are strongest. So I always say if you didn't reapply it, you didn't apply it. Let's take a little break and come back and join us with Dr. Doris Day from NYU Langone in New York City. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. If you have a question for the medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at yourradiodoctor.net. At Independence Blue Cross, we believe in giving you the tools you need to pursue your healthiest life. From premiums as low as $0 per month to health discounts and cash rewards, it pays to have coverage with Independence. With the strongest network of doctors and hospitals in the region and free 24-7 virtual doctor visits, you can feel confident that quality care is always within reach. Learn more about your coverage options at ibx.com. 
When Recovery Centers of America at Devon opened its campuses on the main line and in South Jersey, they offered a new approach, local addiction treatment led by an expert caring team of professionals. RCA has since helped thousands and leads the way in innovative programs and exceptional inpatient and outpatient care, all in a beautiful setting that allows for healing and recovery. RCA answers the phone and admits patients 24-7, 365, including the holidays. All admitted patients and staff are routinely tested for COVID-19. Call now at 1-888-RECOVERY. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. Welcome back to your radio doctor. So pleased to have the company of Dr. Doris Day, a nationally acclaimed dermatologist um, and cosmetic dermatologist as well. Doris, what's the best way to preserve the beauty of your skin in a holistic approach? Because you talked earlier about layering. You go into the store and you buy a little this, little that, and too many layers traps not such good things in your on your skin surface. Let's go back, and I'm sure there are different regimens for young people versus older patients. Yeah, so um, the best way is to use sunscreen every day, all year round, because 90% of how your skin ages is really related to lifestyle things like especially sun exposure. And sun exposure is incidental. It doesn't matter if you're trying to be in the sun or you're Mother Teresa doing God's work. The sun will burn your skin and age you faster. Now, some people who burn more easily may see that change younger, but it doesn't really matter your skin tone. No matter what your skin tone is, over time, your skin will age faster with sun exposure. Um, and and the sun is great. I love being out in the sun. I, I love being out in the sun. I love the light, the heat, the exercise, the outdoors, nature, all of that stuff doesn't mean you have to burn your skin. So if you have proper clothing, proper sun protection, and you time the time of day that you do things, so I go out earlier in the day and later in the day, all of that can help you enjoy your time in the sun without burning your skin or accelerating aging or increasing the risk of skin cancer. So when my patients come in and they go, oh, but I love the sun, they're missing the one word. They love the sun tan. Yes. <laughs> but they don't say tan. When they say I love the sun, they mean they love the sun tan. And if you tan, I don't care how much sunscreen you wore or what you did to try to protect your skin, the tan still counts. And that's the problem is that if you tan or burn your skin, no matter how much protection you had, that burn or tan still is hurting your skin. And leaves its footprints, obviously. Um, So then people, we're all guilty in this high-tech society of looking for not a quick fix, but okay, I did that. How do I repair it? Um, and I would love to do an entire show with you on cosmetic um, opportunities, I should say. When do you suggest Botox or do you? Does, do you wait for people to ask for it or do you suggest it? I guess it's a mix. No, I, it's some of both. If somebody asks me for it, I'll assess, but I won't, I won't do it if I don't think it's appropriate. And I don't think it goes by age. I have Uh, young women who are in their mid to late 20s who need it because they're moving pathologically. And I have women in their 60s and 70s who've never had it, who don't need it because they don't make those expressions. I think of of Botox and the other neuromodulators like Botox, Dysport, Zeman, Juveau, Daxify. We now have five different ones available. They're all biologic, so they're slightly different, but they're the same active ingredient. And what they do is where you inject them, they reduce the activity of that muscle. And if you do it carefully, you can reduce the activity of that muscle, and that strengthens the opposing muscle. So a muscle can only have one action. It can only pull. A muscle can't push. It can only pull. So the the muscles between your eyes 
the 11s as they're known, they pull in and down. So when mm -hmm. you inject a neuromodulator there, you get a natural lift. The forehead muscle is the muscle that lifts your brow. So the more neuromodulator you put in your forehead, the more you weaken the only elevator of the brows. So to me, doing a neuromodulator in the forehead, except to even out the, the brow movement, because sometimes it's a little bit asymmetric, one side is stronger than the other. If you do Botox there or any neuromodulator, you're going to drop the brows, if not in the first visit, then over time. So that to me is the area where you have to be the most careful with using a neuromodulator. And we know that emotions create expressions and expressions also create the same emotion. So when you furrow, you actually feel more angry or sad. If you raise your brows, you feel more alert and awake. But what I try to do is help my patients learn facial exercises that will allow them to move in more positive ways. I, I always think that my goal is not to just make you look better, but to be better. And if I'm reducing a movement, I want you to understand why and what movement to do instead that's going to make that treatment look better and last longer and actually give you the results you're really looking for, which is to feel better. And it really does work. So there are ways you can do this. And, and I think they make a huge difference. But you never want to freeze everybody. This is fascinating because two major points I'd like to repeat and emphasize. Number one, I often wondered if you paralyze muscle, how does that tighten your skin? And you said it so clearly. If you weaken the muscles that allow the 11s or that those the lines between your eyebrows, it, it they clear because you're strengthening the opposing muscles that, that lift them, that lift that area. That makes so much sense. And secondly, you're going to address the areas where a person's face is moving pathologically, moving in a direction because they frown too much, or, or maybe I know sometimes people have their eyelids um, lifted because it's impairing their vision. Um, and so you're talking about facial exercises, which is so brilliant. Even when we're on the air, you know, we try to report something with a smile and it lifts our voices. We, right. you're, you're, that facial exercise does affect your mood so much. And I'm sure you tell women that if they want to avoid scarecrow lips, maybe they don't want to sip on a straw too much. Just simple things that the average person doesn't realize that, that are just brilliant. Skin cancer the most common cancer. And as you already mentioned, it's not just fair-skinned people. People of all skin tones are at risk um, and all ages too. Younger people can get skin cancer as well, yes? It's one of the highest cancer killers in women 25 to 29 year old. So the most common cancer period, not just skin cancer, but the most common cancer is basal cell carcinoma. This is a type of cancer that looks like a pearly pink papule and, mm -hmm. and it can happen on any sun-bearing area. Actually, it can even happen where you don't get sun. So we look at the whole skin, but it tends to grow slowly and stay local. Hugh Jackman is famous for posting about having a bunch of basal cells on his nose. And as we know, he's, I think, from Australia or New Zealand, yeah. from that part of the world where he had a lot of sun exposure growing up. And, um, and now he's asking everybody to please get skin checks and wear sunscreen. May every year is Skin Cancer Awareness Month. So we, we talk a lot about in the spring about how important it is to really be sun smart. And being sun smart means wearing sunscreen, as we talked about, but also sun protective clothing, hats, sunglasses, 
eating a high antioxidant diet, high in things like olive oil and uh, fresh green leafy vegetables, things like that, that are going to help repair some of the damage. And that all of that makes a difference, but also getting your skin checked. And no matter your age, if you have a spot on your skin that is either growing or doesn't go away when you expect it to, then that should be shown to the dermatologist because the sooner you take care of it, the easier it will be to get rid of it. Now, of course, mm -hmm. the skin cancer we worry about most is melanoma. That's the least common, but the deadliest form of sun-related skin cancers. And while we have amazing new treatments for it, where it's turned it in many cases from a death sentence to a cure, where we had over 90, 98% deaths if it had spread, now we're saving so many of those patients and finding cures. It's still a lot of work to treat it, and it's so much better to either avoid it or get it early. So if you have a family history of melanoma, you need to get your skin checked and get your eyes checked because it can happen in the eyes as well. And that family history, especially if it's what we call a first degree relative right next to you in the tray, yes. a parent, a sibling, God forbid, a child, uh, it really bumps your risk. But so that's why we remind people to do self checks. Get a loved one or a friend to check your back areas that you can't see well, the backs of your legs. And I know more than half the melanomas in African-Americans or in what we consider unusual places, under the nails, uh, in the palms of their hands, or the soles of their feet. And I even think of um, uh, Caucasians or uh, people of other skin tones. The, the, the soles of your feet are a place people don't think about because if you're lying on your belly on the beach, that your soles are exposed. And you mentioned um, SPF clothing. Until recent years, am I right about this? Uh, UVB, there are two types of ultraviolet rays, A and B, and B is probably more the culprit for skin cancer, A, for wrinkles. I don't know, I might have it right. But formerly, the, um, what am I trying to say? Suntan lotions or protective lotions only address one, but now most of them are UVA and B, or if not all, yes? Yep. So you're, you're on the right path. So there's UVA, B, and C. C for now is blocked by the ozone layer. So UVA and B are the ones we worry about for skin cancer. We used to think of B only as the burning rays and being responsible for skin cancer and UVA because it's a longer wavelength as the aging rays breaking down collagen because it goes a little bit deeper. UV, but now the World Health Organization said all wavelengths of UV light are known carcinogens, meaning that if you're exposed to enough of UVA or UVB, you're at higher risk of skin cancer or you will get skin cancer if you're exposed to enough of them. Now, UVB is blocked by glass. So if you're indoors in your car, UVB is blocked. That's why you don't get sunburned indoors. But UVA, because it's a longer wavelength, goes right through glass. Penetrates. And that's why, yeah, that's why your furniture fades. Um, that's why you have a, a lot of issues. So you can get a filter for your windows that's optically clear that will block UVA. And that's why if you have a lot of windows, even if you're indoors, you might want a UVA blocker. And then in terms of sun protection, SPF relates to the UVB protection. And, and that is the main measure we had. So we say wear SPF of 30 or higher, and that's protecting against burns and skin cancer. But you also want to look for broad spectrum protection because that's protecting against both UVA and UVB. There used to be a UVA star rating, but that kind of fell out of favor. So you just need to look for broad spectrum protection. And if you use a mineral-based sunscreen, uh, that's going to protect against both because that is 
like that's physical. So it's sitting on the skin and hmm. reflecting the UV rays. Mm-hmm. So it's going to generally protect against both. And we have about a minute left in this segment. And we remind our patients always, if you have a skin lesion that has that's itchy or is bleeding or is painful, tell your doctor right away. And 30 seconds, A, B, C, D, E. A stands for asymmetry. That's if the, the lesion is asymmetric. B is irregular borders. So that's border irregularity. C is color change. D is diameter, typically greater than a pencil mm-hmm. eraser head, but I would ignore that and think of, uh, of just not sort of pay attention. And E is evolving. So any mole that's looked one way now looks different, but there's no R. So it's not that it has to be raised. Most melanomas start out flat. So even if it's flat, if it's changing in color, has irregular borders, get it checked. Thank you. Stay with us during the break and come back to learn much more important information about dermatology. And now for your real champion. I call this segment, Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Well, finally, school's out and nothing says summer like baseball. And the Phillies are off to a great start. But what you may not know is that the Fightin' Phils are superstars both on and off the field. Recently, I had the chance to meet Michelle DeVicaris, director of the Phillies Community and Charity Events. I was truly impressed to hear the vast array of programs that support the community in three areas. By engaging fans from a young age to participate in sports, educational programs, and sponsoring community events and fundraisers. They offer activities for fans from every age group and celebrate all backgrounds. The RBI program stands for Reviving Baseball in Inner Cities, sponsors over 6,000 baseball and softball players, kids who otherwise couldn't afford to play, providing uniforms, equipment, instructional clinics, even webinars about player skills and work ethic. The Phillies Major League Baseball Urban Youth Academy offers year-round instruction, a leadership course, and education for the college recruitment process for high school athletes. These young players are also motivated by awards like Youth of the Year, an Empowerment Award, scholarships for college, and even events like the Home Run Derby and UMS Care Leadership. Along with an event to mark National Women and Girls Sports Day, there's a fitness program all geared to create fans from a young age and provide opportunities to participate in sports. And what a focus on education. They honor all-star teachers, all-star students. There's a weather education day with NBC and Telemundo 62, among others. But my favorite is the Fanatic About Reading program. Last year, over 63,000 students committed to reading for at least 15 minutes a day. And the top performing classrooms get a visit from... You guessed it, the fanatic. What an awesome incentive for little children. With the Red Goes Green program, the Phillies purchased renewable energy credits and through home runs for trees, over 229 trees were planted in the region last year. In all, over 1,700 trees since the start of the program. And of course, food is donated throughout the regular season to St. John's Hospice to help men experiencing homelessness. Now we turn to community events and fundraising. Hearing about these programs was heartwarming. Through the Major League Baseball Commissioner's Initiative and Players Give Back programs, 
Over 91,000 tickets were donated across the Delaware Valley to essential workers, military members and their families, children's organizations, and other deserving groups who might not otherwise get to a game. And Jackie Robinson Day, the anthem was performed by members of several local African-American churches. Since 1984, the Phillies have raised over $20 million for the ALS Association for patients with Lou Gehrig's disease. An Army Lieutenant Colonel with ALS addressed the team. Several patients stood with the team for the anthem, and another patient got to dance with the fanatic. There are special salutes to Black History Month, those of Hispanic and Asian Pacific heritage. Strike Out the Stigma supports conversation about mental health. Salute to Service has a ceremony with veterans from each of the conflicts, including World War II, Vietnam, Korea, and the Gulf War, and now raising funds to train service dogs for vets. But what really scores a home run in the heart of director Michelle DeVacaris is the Childhood Cancer Awareness Program. What started as one night now lasts for a month. Families with a child facing cancer are highlighted, children are honored on the field, and they participate in a game. One might be the guest DJ, another reads the starting lineup, or changes the base after a certain inning. They get special gold t-shirts and a large yellow ribbon is open in the outfield. Michelle began as an intern with the Phillies in 1999 and has loved every minute for over 24 years. Prior to her work with the Phillies, she didn't know any children with cancer. Now she's come to know several children in their families and watch them battle the illness and struggle through treatments. But once she had a child of her own, her work became her passion. She never wants to feel the pain of these parents, and she's overwhelmed by their strength and bravery. Michelle says, we're not doctors and we can't cure the cancer, but we can provide an outlet and escape, even just for a few hours, for the child and his or her family to enjoy their time together and have fun. So let's root, root, root for the home team, especially Michelle DeVacaris and her staff for helping these children, their families, and all of the community to know that they're loved. We salute you, Michelle DeVacaris and the Fightin' Fells, your world champions. Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross, can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere, at your convenience. Just download the Odyssey app and search Your Radio Doctor. It's health education on demand. Millions of Americans are losing their medical assistance or Medicaid coverage. If this affects you, Independence Blue Cross can help. You may be eligible to enroll in a health plan for as little as $0 a month. With Independence Blue Cross, you get the largest provider network in the area, including most Keystone First doctors and hospitals. We also offer free 24-7 telemedicine, coverage for hospital stays and prescriptions. See if you qualify for $0 health insurance and enroll today. Call Independence Blue Cross at 1-844-464-2583 or visit ibx.com slash stay covered. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, now Saturday afternoons at 5, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC. Welcome back to Your Radio Doctor. We're learning such important information about how to prevent sunburn. Are there medications, Doris, that increase the risk for sunburn? There's some antibiotics 
like Bactrim, which is sulfa-based, that can greatly increase your risk of sunburn. There's uh, some blood pressure medicines that can do that as well. So it's always important to ask the pharmacist, look at the medication list to see if that is the medicine you need to worry about. But actually, one of the myths is that Retin-A makes you more sun sensitive. If you put Retin-A on your skin and you go in the sun, the sun will inactivate Retin-A, but it won't make your skin burn. So the reason we use Retin-A at night is that as unless it's been photostabilized, it gets inactivated by UV rays. The reason why over time you're more sun sensitive if you use a product like Retin-A is because it makes the stratum corneum, the outer layer of skin cells, sit flatter and smoother and more compact, which is one reason why your skin looks more radiant and has a, a better light reflection. But that outer skin layer, which is a dead skin layer, is important for people who have very fair skin for sun protection because they don't make a lot of melanin to protect their skin. So you, you need to be good about sun protection, but there's no reason to stop using your Retin-A in the summer. We talked too about sunburn. A couple quick points about how to treat a sunburn. Don't get into a, a bathtub of ice cubes. <laughs> there's no reason to. I mean, if it feels good, that's fine, but you don't want to freeze a burn because you're still burning from that. So I would say cool or lukewarm will feel cool and that's fine. Whole milk, not skim milk, but whole milk because the milk fats and the milk protein are soothing to the skin. Oatmeal is actually very soothing. So you could put some oatmeal and some whole milk into the bath and soak in that for a few minutes. Wow. And then when you step out, pat the skin dry, be super gentle, and then slather on the moisturizer because you're still going to peel if you're going to peel, but it won't be such an unpleasant process. And if you should peel, don't peel the skin off as much as that feels good in the moment. It's kind of fun to do, but don't do that because once you get past the dense skin cell, dead skin layer that is easily coming off, you're actually exposing skin before it's time, and that can increase yes. risk of scarring. And you, your skin is is a, an important organ for water balance. It's an immune organ. It's an it's a it's uh, an endocrine organ. And if you if you get a sunburn over a large part of your body, it can affect your water balance. So you have to stay well hydrated, mm. both by drinking water and by moisturizing your skin. If you have change in body temperature and you can't control that or change in mental status, if you have a headache or you, you feel disoriented, that could be a medical emergency and you should go to the emergency room for evaluation. So sunburns can be serious, even deadly. And if enough of your skin is burnt, then you could be in trouble. So you, you have to take that seriously and pay attention and, and try not to have that happen again. And it increases your risk of skin cancer in the long run. Oh, sure. And you make a very good point for, for those of us who are pickers, and it is fun to peel that skin. You're not only, as you say, going into another layer and opening up the risk for scarring, but how about infection and pain is not something we like either. Why have we not outlawed tanning booths? I don't get it. I mean, in my own research, when I talk about women's cancer screenings and such, I've read, and maybe you can update us, that tanning booths can bump your risk for melanoma by 75%. No, thank you. The people who go to tanning booths are often taken, uh, they're, they're younger than 18 and it's their moms who take them for the first time. Yes, for the prom. Yeah, or exactly. <laughs> There's no such thing as a base tan. There's no such thing as a safe tan. And the UV tanning beds used to say they were safer because they're more UVA than UVB. But we know now right. that UVA rays are harmful and they can be 10 times stronger than the natural rays from the sun. 
So tanning beds are a bad idea. They do increase your risk of skin cancer. They do accelerate how your skin ages. And they they are banned in some cases for, in many states, younger than 18, but nobody's, re- nobody's enforcing it. No. And I mean, even some places, I think LA was the first place to put a tax on it. But just like Surgeon General warning about cigarettes, let's make a pinky promise today. You and I are going to get out there and say, stop tanning booths. They, they can't be good. Now I understand they have the a powerful lobby because yeah. they, they talk about vitamin D. Meanwhile, it's UVB more than A for vitamin D, but they, they, they make so many cases that UV, that tanning beds are safe. And when there's powerful lobbyists, there's going to be exposure. There's going to push back and make yeah. it go away. You know? Unfortunately, it's very sad. So we just keep getting the message out. Yeah. So let's jump to hair loss. What are the most common? Because we know, I think people are most familiar with male pattern balding when when men get the M shape, they keep a little bit of the center. Am I right? The M male pattern yes, balding yeah. that um, that we should remind people a lot of times men who bald get that gift from their mother's genes carried from their dad's, the, the, the maternal grandfather. So mom gives it to you from her father. But in general, common causes for hair loss and go from there. One of the most common things is actually not true hair loss, it's hair shedding, and that comes from uh, stress. So if you have a major physiologic stress, it could be from uh, treatment like, you know, chemo or childbirth. Mm -hmm. It's not, that's not a treatment, that's a process. Or even a major life event like a, a marriage, divorce, death in the family, job change, all of those things can lead to a shifting of the hair growth cycles where your hair shifts from growing to resting and then falling out. And there's a lag. There can be a three month lag from when Mm. you feel the stress to when you see the results of it in the shedding. And so a lot of times when people see shedding, they panic because they're not stressed at the moment. The stress has passed, but there's that lag time because of the way the growth cycles are. But that hair is going to grow back. It just takes some time to grow back. And if you go through enough stress shedding and you go through that chronic, what's called a chronic telogen effluvium, that's a chronic stress shedding, then it's a net loss of hair because even though the hair is growing back, it's still falling out faster. And so in the end, it's less hair. So managing stress doesn't mean like, oh, just relax. It's That's silly. But it means trying to really understand whatever those drivers of stress are for you, trying to minimize those or look at them differently. So instead of looking at everything as the end of the world, look at things like a puzzle and say, you know what, I've gotten through this before, I'll get through it again, or this is my path through. But understanding your body is telling you something. So instead of just trying to fix what you see, try to fix what's causing it, and then you'll see it gets fixed better and the fix lasts indefinitely, really. Um, and that- Always a great lesson, yeah, because you can't trade your mother-in-law in at the mother-in-law shop and, and you can't lock your boss in a closet. I did like my mother-in-law, but <laughs> but it, we always remind our listeners to change how you react to a situation, right? You can't always change somebody else's behavior, but as you say, that is a brilliant lesson that uh, would apply to any medical issues, really. Very true. And then the androgenetic, the genetic form of hair loss is also in both men and women and can start as early as in your teens. And that's something that we have some ways to address. Minoxidil is available over the counter without a prescription. 5% is the same dosage for men and for women. And it's available Uh, the only difference between the men and the women is men need it twice a day and the women only once a day. So that, that makes it super easy. 
And uh, and then there are some souped up versions where people can add in some retinol or retinoic acid that helps with hair growth, but it can be irritating. Niacinamide is great. Caffeine is really helpful with absorption and minimizing inflammation. I do a laser in the office that uses uh, photobiomodulation to stimulate the hair follicles. PRP is a process where we take blood from the veins and spin it down and then inject that back. So I usually do the laser to prime the follicles and then I inject the PRP and we get really nice results with that. Exosomes are coming along right now. They're just topical, but you can eventually will have exosomes to inject. And exosomes are uh, extracellular vesicles that deliver growth factors that can help grow hair. So that's something that's exciting in the pipeline. And of course, there's hair transplants. But even if you do a hair transplant, or if you're a good candidate for it, you still have to do these other things because you don't want those transplanted hairs to be sitting there by themselves. So all of these mm. things that we do, we still need to maintain the hair growth. And then there's supplements. There's ones that contain things like ashwagandha, curcumin, vitamin D is really good for hair. So don't be vitamin and nu nutrient deficient. Try to minimize inflammation, manage stress. All of that will only help your hair grow thicker. Mm -hmm. And if you do notice balding or shedding, mention it to your doctor because I guess it can also represent thyroid disease, diabetes, lupus, different things that include change in your, your and, and hair loss and shedding. Um, but that's why we should see the doctor once a year. The other thing that we can control, we're trying to offer solutions that are in our control. If you live in Australia, does, don't they have the biggest hole in the ozone? You can't help that. You can, but, but if you do notice that your, your hair is thinning and you wear your hair pulled back tightly, not just in a loose, but traction alopecia is something that you see even in little children that they wear really tight ponytails or braid their hair. Am I right Absolutely. about that? Absolutely. That's the last and very, very important step is every, all the processes and the things we do to our hair, over pulling, pulling it tight, you're depriving the follicle of oxygen. And over time that will lead to scarring and that can take 20, 30 years to show. So those tight braids, those heavy hair extensions that are pulling on the follicles, all of those things, tight ponytails, over pulling when you blow dry, overusing chemicals, that can cause mm. both hair breakage and damage of the follicle. So the less you do to your hair, the gentler you are. And I think that doing gentle scalp stimulation can be helpful to um, to improve oxygen flow to the to the hair and the scalp. So that's something that I think might be fun. But you don't want to be overly dramatic about it, and certainly don't want to pull the hair when you do that. Oh, I think that's going on my husband's uh, honey do list. I'm going to have him rub my head while I'm watching TV that's at it. night. But right. So is there um, a suggestion that washing your hair too much? Do you tell people avoid washing their hair daily? I think it's more avoiding heavy uh, sulfates that are damaging to the follicle. People know if their hair is oilier, then you can clean the scalp more often. If it's drier, do it less often. And just know your hair and, your, and the products and the ingredients that you're using. There are some mm -hmm. ingredients that are, for some people, more damaging. And also when your hair is wet, use a, a brush, either a wide, tooth, wide tooth mm -hmm. comb or a brush that's designed for wet hair because the follicle can dislodge and fall out more Ooh. when it's wet. So you oh. want to be gentler to wet hair. Wow. So last question we have about a minute. When you when do you decide to do testing, either the... Um, you do the hair pull test or even a scalp biopsy. Yeah. If I think there's scarring and I'm worried about lupus or a scarring process, I might do a scalp biopsy. Otherwise, 
we can't really tell the difference very well. I mean, if it's obvious, uh, then, and you have something called androgenetic, which is an autoimmune type of hair loss where we see discrete round patches, sometimes it can help for that, but usually that's a clinical diagnosis. So I haven't found biopsies to be overly helpful. I think most of these are clinical diagnoses and a lot of the treatments are the same. And, and so I don't find that helpful. But if it's a scarring process, I might do some blood tests and a biopsy in that case. Mm-hmm. And I know uh, there's a short list, but there's some medications that can contribute to hair loss, like amiodarone, some blood thinners. But again, this is why you have to talk to your doctor so uh, that we're, we're all on the same page. Let's take a little break and we'll come back for our wrap up with Dr. Doris Day. Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie is presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. Hi, my name is Noah Langness, and I am the Director of Admissions at Recovery Centers of America in Devon, and I am one of your addiction experts from RCA. Today, I'm here to talk to you about fear being a barrier to seeking help. Many times when people enter our lobby, or even they're already in treatment and they're thinking about leaving treatment, They put up barriers, or what we like to call barriers, to admitting, to staying, whatever the case may be. And when you break down all these barriers, it really comes down to one word, and that one word is fear. And it could be fear of success, it could be fear of failure, it could be fear of the unknown, fear that it's my first time in treatment and I'm scared, fear that it's my 20th time in treatment and the other 20 haven't worked, so why should number 21 work? What I try and get people to understand is that Fear of what they were doing before they entered our building should be a lot scarier in today's climate than the fear of changing their life for the better. One of my favorite quotations is from Brianna Wiest. She says that, remember that the minute you take your first step into the life of your dreams, the first to greet you there will be fear. Nod, keep walking. What I do know is that for people coming in to our lobby seeking help who are fearful. They just have to get through that first barrier because today could be the first day of the rest of their life. The life that they dreamed about, to be there for their families, their friends, their employers. So fear can be a very powerful motivator, but it is not the only motivator. And what I really want people to understand is that the fear of what they were doing before they got here should scare them a lot more than the opportunity for a new way to live. If you or your loved ones needs help with alcohol or drugs, reach out to Recovery Centers of America at 833-969-0268 or visit rcaradiodoctor.com. That's rcaradiodoctor.com. We answer the phone and admit patients 24-7, 365. I'm always striving to live my healthiest life, so I need a health plan that has my back. With Independence Blue Cross, I get access to the largest network of doctors and hospitals in the region and free virtual doctor visits 24-7. Plus, with premiums as low as $0 per month, I can stay on top of my health and keep my budget in check. Independence has given me coverage I can count on, and they'll do the same for you. Learn more about your coverage options at ibx.com. Welcome back to our final segment of Your Radio Doctor, the wrap-up segment that we call Your Weekly Prescription. Thank you so much, Dr. Doris Day from NYU Langone Dermatology. The points that you have explained so clearly will help people listening. 
What's your take home message for our listeners or messages? is to understand that your skin is such a powerful reflection of your overall health and well-being. And by looking in the mirror with kind eyes, knowing that it's in our DNA, we're hardwired to look for flaws and for problems. Because if we went out and always saw just a blue sky when the sky was really cloudy, but had that little patch of blue, and we missed the coming storm, we would all be dead as a species, right? So we're designed to see the, the problems and the flaws, but now as a species, we're protected from that. So we're not about survival from day to day. We're about longevity and health span. But we're still critical and looking for problems all the time, except that we're, we're misreading those cues. So some people see every line and wrinkle as a sign that they've gotten older or are irrelevant or less beautiful, when in reality, they're as beautiful as they were before. But we do change with time and accepting that and seeing the beauty in that in a life well lived is really powerful and I think an important lesson for us. So understanding that your skin, because it's reflecting your overall health, don't look at it as less beautiful, but say, what am I doing in my world that if I improved, I'll like what I see in the mirror better. And that, that's really important. So. Sometimes it's something as simple as great skincare, better sun protection, drinking a little bit more water, paying attention to your sleep, seeing your dermatologist for a little in-office pick-me-up, but not looking for one single magic bullet to make everything better. Just having a great skincare routine and hair care routine can have a powerful impact on how you age. Sunscreen, starting from today going forward, applying it first thing in the morning, reapplying it every few hours, using antioxidants that contain peptides, looking for good retinol. And a lot of these can be found over the counter, can make a very big difference in your skin. Seeing your dermatologist for a regular skin check to make sure you don't have uh, anything that they're worried about and looking at your skin regularly. And if there's something that looks off to you, don't wait for that dermatology visit, but go in sooner to show them to either have it removed or have that reassurance. That makes a big difference as well. And make sure that you review with your primary care doc. And if you have the luxury of seeing a dermatologist, tell the doctor everything you're taking, including supplements that may uh, have an effect on your picture. Sleep and exercise, that's the best explanation I've ever heard for how sleep and exercise influence your skin, the, the, the largest organ on our bodies. And if you're doing your self-checks, make sure you get people, your, a loved one or even somebody at work to look at the back of your neck, look at your back, uh, because those hidden areas and watch under your nails and, and all the places that, as you mentioned, not melanoma can surface and basal cell in areas that don't see the sun. Yes, agreed. Totally agree. Great points. Including your retina. So see your, get a skin check at least once a year, family history, maybe every six months. Yes, absolutely. Love it. Beautiful. I'm going to say, Dr. Doris, have a great day. Oh, I love it. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to your radio doctor every Saturday at 5 p.m. here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Listen again to your real champion or the entire show on odyssey.com. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com. A special thank you to our exclusive sponsor, Independence Blue Cross, and for support from Recovery Centers of America. It's hard to believe, but next Saturday is July 1st, so get out your red, white, and blue shirts and skirts, your sparklers, and your glitter eyeshadow. Hoping that most of you will have off on Monday, July 3rd, so you can enjoy a four-day stretch. 
And please remember to hang your beautiful American flag. And if you don't have one, take a minute to buy at least a small one to place in your grass or display on the front of your home. The flag is a symbol of our independence. At this time of unrest, let's make a special effort to come together as a nation and say thank you for our many blessings. Maybe that means doing something nice for someone when they don't expect it, like not cutting in front of another car when you're in a rush to get to that barbecue or to the shore, or maybe just saying good morning to a familiar stranger. This is your radio doctor wishing you a happy, healthy, and safe week with the ones you love. Always here to remind you that your health is your wealth. Go Phillies! Thanks for listening to your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. To contact Dr. Marianne and to listen to today's show as well as past shows, visit yourradiodoctor.com. This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Your Radio Doctor and their guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program has been pre recorded.